You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody, to the Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday, December 19, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris. i got Justin Jones right there. Justin Jones needs to uh, become uh, Tim Tebow's agent. Justin, Justin wants $3 million for Tebow to speak for 30 minutes. That's that's, that's going to be according to Justin this morning on Wimp and Barry inside the locker room. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. I did find that conversation very, very interesting. They were having about speakers for the Jimmy Rain Foundation banquet and, and of course, for a great cause and, and the amount of money that, that some of these people um, are able to demand to get to speak for 30 minutes uh, and the fact that Tim Tebow uh, wanted $94,000 for 30 minutes. Wow. That's uh, <clears throat> that's uh a lot of money just to get up and talk for a little bit we do it uh we do i do two hours every morning for <laughs> well obviously it's a fraction of the cost uh Wyatt's also hanging out with us this morning too and uh uh just may have to put Wyatt on here a minute and let him explain his uh in just a moment not right now but just to let him explain his new new gig here at uh at town square uh, what uh, what he's doing with us. But anyway, we're glad you're with us, that's for sure, because uh, we love to have our listeners both on the radio on Tide 100.9 FM and on 1230 AM WTBC and also on the app, which is the best way to put us on your wireless device and take us with you, Tide 109 app, and, of course, Tide109.com. We stream live. So we're with you next couple of hours talking sports and more here on the program. Got a good show lined up. I'll run it down for you in just a second. But first, this uh, – Hour number one is brought to you and uh, presented by Alabama Credit Union. My friends at Alabama Credit Union been with them a long time, both um, here on the show and, of course, uh, as I've said before, I do relationship advertising. Everybody that you hear advertising with me, I have a relationship with them, including uh, the fact that I'm a member of Alabama Credit Union. I would encourage you <clears throat> to become a member, too. You can find out more at alabamacu.com. It's a absolutely uh, Terrific place to do business, and and you know it's quality because they were voted the best company to work for in Alabama. So if they're a great company to work for, you know they're a great company for you uh, to have your money and become a member. Membership has its privileges. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union Loans for Real Life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, here's the lineup for today. Judy Arman talking ball with us at uh, 930. The Rocket Man co-host of Talking Ball with Scott Tyson weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. He's actually going to be on the bus this morning uh, with the Huntsville High School basketball team on the way down to um, Gulf Shores for a basketball tournament, but still he is going to, uh, he's going to be with us. He's making his way down there for the, uh, Mako Classic, but he's going to jump on with us anyway as Drew is a multitasker. Then at 10-15, Kayla Anderson from up in Nashville with the, uh, Titans report and, uh, Tennessee Titans, man. They're now officially out of the playoffs. Not that they were 
ever in doubt they were going to make it. They weren't, but uh, they they made sure that they were officially eliminated with their loss at home Sunday to the Texans. And an interesting game because <clears throat> the Houston Texans came into being after the Houston Oilers left to go to Nashville and played in the uh, played in Memphis for a year as the Tennessee Oilers, then a year in Nashville as the Tennessee Oilers before becoming the Tennessee Titans. But the Tennessee Titans wore the Oilers throwback uniforms on Sunday as the powder blues and the oil rig on the helmet, and that caused a little bit of a, a rift between the city of Houston and the city of Nashville, and then the Titans went out and promptly blew the game to a Texans team that didn't have Will Anderson Jr., didn't have Nico Collins, didn't have quarterback C.J. Stroud, and D'Amico Ryan's team was still able to win and held Derrick Henry to nine yards on 16 carries. The most miserable game of his career. One of the worst games ever in the history of the National Football League for running back to have that many carries. And this is a guy who had gone for over 200 yards four times in his career against the Texans. So it's it's a different story now in Nashville. Pretty sure that Derrick Henry is in his final season with the Tennessee Titans. We'll talk to Kayla about that coming up at 10-15 this morning on the program. All right, Alabama Football Committee uh, commit uh, coming in yesterday. Now, listen, it's the dead period now, meaning that uh, coaches can't have contacts with, with players and players cannot uh, – visit campus or any of that right now we're in a we're in a dead period but you can commit and obviously beginning tomorrow you can start um you can start signing which is um you know the first day of a three-day signing period but campus visits are off official visits are off off campus contacts are off uh and so you know, right now it's up to you to make your decision if you haven't already. But Jay Sean Ross, an edge rusher, outside linebacker, defensive end. I mean, there's so many names for these guys now that play on the play on the edge. Um, you know, it's always either defensive end or outside linebacker back in the day. And then edge rusher, I think, is more like what you do. But it's kind of become a position now. They call a guy, <clears throat> I see it all the time, 2024 edge rusher. But Jay Sean Ross, a very talented uh, uh Outside guy, defensive end, outside linebacker, edge rusher, whatever you want to refer to him as, out of uh, Kansas City. Committed to Alabama yesterday, and he's 6'4", about 225, extremely athletic. Of course, Alabama's expecting to lose both Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell, so they're looking for edge rushers. This guy is a good one. He's the 22nd commit for Alabama now in the 2024 class. Alabama's up to number two in the national rankings, and... Um, could possibly still take over that number one spot, particularly with Georgia, Justin and Wyatt losing Dylan Raiola, the quarterback commit to uh, Nebraska. That's going to impact their class. So Alabama's still in the running for the number one overall class, and uh, signing day, signing period begins tomorrow. Also, Alabama, of course, continues practice. Nick Saban met with the media, local media, for the first time in a couple of weeks. Yesterday, following practice, we've got his comments. We're going to run those for you this morning here on the show. Uh, Justin's got them clipped up. Nick Saban meeting with local media yesterday. Justin and, and, and Wyatt, I will tell you this. I've, I've watched Saban a long time. Of course, I was at the TV station because he met at 550. I was working at the station, but uh, was able to watch it and, of course, run some clips from last night. You can tell when he's in a good mood and when he, he was all business yesterday. Now, I'm not saying he was in a foul mood. It wasn't like that, but he was just all business. You could see in his eyes he was focused, and a couple of the questions were not uh, – I mean, weren't bad questions, but you could just tell he was like, yeah, I don't have time for this. Uh, I forget one of them was – uh, but anyway, he just, it was like, you know, what? I mean, he, he was really in that 
mindset of, you know, this is this is what we've worked all year for. Down to business yesterday for Nick Saban. We'll have those comments. Also, Monday Night Football last night, I hate to call it a collapse by the Eagles because it was a close game the whole way, but they should have won that game in Seattle. They're up 17-14. They punt the ball down to the 12-yard line, or 8-yard line, I'm sorry, with, what, was a minute 45 something to go? Seahawks had one timeout, and Drew Locke took the Seahawks 92 yards. 92 yards. And I don't even think Seattle even had to wind up using their timeout. A big catch by D.K. Uh, Metcalf and then a, a a long touchdown from Locke to the rookie wide receiver out of Ohio State whose name escapes me. If y'all got a chance to look it up real quick, the wide receiver that caught the winning game touchdown. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, the, the, rookie, the rookie out of Ohio State. And he, uh, you know, he caught the touchdown, just beat uh, Bradbury in, in man coverage. And um, bad loss for the Eagles. Now, they're 10-4, they're but they've lost three games in a row. And they are reeling, and they don't even look like the same team. And I know Jalen Hurts played sick in that game. He flew in later on his on a on a private plane, and they didn't know if he would play. He played, but he didn't play well. And he uh, after the game said he wasn't sure that the team had the proper buy-in. But he's not playing well right now. And you know you got to call it like you see it. And yes, he made some plays, and but but uh, their passing game right now is not where it needs to be. And when he runs because of the knee and because he didn't feel well, uh, he's not getting everything out of the run that he could. And I understand he doesn't want to take a hit. I get that. But they're not, they're not playing great. And but still, through all that, they led 17-13. And the defense, who played great all night with Matt Patricia now calling the defense, let him down. And so the Eagles are, are tied with the Cowboys in the NFC East. You could pretty much go ahead and give the 49ers home field advantage which is probably going to be their ticket to the Super Bowl in the NFC. But for the Eagles, they want to win that division. And that was a costly loss last night for Philadelphia up in Seattle. And um, also in the NBA, the Clippers, look don't look now, but they've won, they've won eight in a row. They, got, uh, they scored 155 last night, I think it was, against the Pacers as they are lighting it up. And um, playing really, really well. On the local scene, reclassification, claims Hillcrest, at least in regards to going up. Hillcrest, which has been a great team the last three years under Jamie Mitchell in Class 6A, even though they haven't been able to get to the state championship game because Sarah Land has been in their way three straight years. But Hillcrest has had some phenomenal teams. They haven't lost a regular season game in the last two years, but now they're moving up to 7A. And what's disappointing is, uh, of course, only 32 teams in 7A. What's disappointing is that... Um, They've had these great teams, and now next year, probably a rebuilding year for, for Hillcrest as it looks like they've lost most of that incredible uh, talent that they've had. Now, they'll still be competitive, but they move up, and Prattville moves up to Class 7A Region 3. And let's see, it was um, Spain Park and Chelsea that moved down to 6A, which is a break for both of those teams. I say that. 6A is really, really good, too. In fact, I would say that Sarah Lynn and Hewitt Trustful were the two best teams in the state this year, and they're both in 6A, although Central Phoenix City would have an argument as well. But um, yeah, that happens when you have reclassification. These schools go up. Sometimes they go down, and Hillcrest moving up to 7A, which means that Hillcrest and County High is back on. Uh, they have not played the last few years, and um, with County High in 7A and Hillcrest in 6A, and for some reason that game was not scheduled, but it'll be scheduled now. 
They don't have a choice. It'll be a, it'll be a region game. So anyway, that's some things that are going on. If you want to get involved in the program, you can call us here on the First Domain Condominiums Hotline, presented by First Domain Condominiums, Luxury Condominiums in Historic Downtown Northport, 205-342-9904, 205-342-9904. 9904 is the number. Go ahead and give us a call, and uh, we're wide open for phone calls in the next segment. Also, Drew DeArmond coming up at the bottom of the hour. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9, brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Everwood, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. The Crimson Tide are preparing for the Rose Bowl game on January 1st against Michigan. Head coach Nick Saban met with the media on Monday. First three days of practice here, we've really tried to focus on fundamentals. Um, you know, I think everybody's got to practice with a plan, a sense of purpose. Uh, everybody's got to kind of reinvest into uh, conditioning, reinvest into fundamental techniques, uh, discipline to execute, blocking, tackling. Um, it all translate in, will translate into positive performance in the game. Um, and I think it's, you know, hard to carry the momentum from the season to a game when you got almost a month, you know, between games. So players really have to reinvest in um, – you know, all those things. The players did a good job, you know, in the two weeks in between and finals week. I'll have more in a moment. Producing championship quality lumber is not an easy process, but at Everwood Preserving, it's our only process. Wood treated right. Everwood offers top-notch pressure-treated wood for decks, outdoor structures, commercial jobs, and more that you can build your reputation on. When it comes to quality, we're on the winning team. Visit your local Everwood dealer today and discover the difference for yourself. Everwood Preserving Incorporated, the official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Here's more from Coach Saban. And we've had three good days of work, uh, so we want to continue that uh, for the next four practices. And, you know, hopefully we'll get closer to where we need to be in terms of being able to go play like we're capable of playing. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. That's you trying to fix. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather cold and dry today. Lots of sunshine, the high 49. Tonight, another freeze, clear with a low at 29. Then for tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow, 54. The high Thursday at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 35 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, 919, uh, Judy Arman coming up at the bottom of the hour. The Rocket Man will be talking some ball with us. The national signing period, December signing period, begins tomorrow, and Alabama is in contention for the number one class. Of course, there'll be another period in February, but most of the recruiting will be wrapped up in the next three days or the next, uh, you know, Wednesday through Friday. But there will be uh, that February signing period, and that's when Ryan Williams will will 
signed. So uh, the Sarah Land wide receiver, it's a situation where if Alabama's right there on the cusp of that number one class, getting Ryan Williams' signature might be the difference in being number one and being number two. So, um, you know, it, it's going to continue after December. Plus, there's portal recruiting, too. But Alabama looking really good, as we talked about at the top. You've got um, Jay Sean Ross, the outside linebacker out of Kansas City, committing to Alabama on Monday. Alabama still expects to sign Canadian four-star defensive end Steve Mbuamoa, 6'3", 275-pounder. And Alabama is the leader for offensive tackle favor Edwin of McDonough, Georgia, 6'8", 290. Auburn had been the leader, but Alabama's really made a push. And it's looking like Alabama is the team to beat for favor Edwin. Running back-wise, Alabama's going to sign at least one, maybe two in this class. And uh, Kevin Riley, the Tuscaloosa County High Star, a Miami commit, could be prepared to flip to Alabama. He's going to sign Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Jaden Baugh, out of Decatur, Georgia, was an Arkansas commit, but he decommitted. He's considering Alabama and Florida. And, of course, portal-wise, Trevor Etienne, the former Florida guard, the Florida, I guess we could still call him a Florida transfer running back, hasn't transferred yet, but he's in the portal. He's looking at Alabama. And Alabama's also still in contention for five-star defensive lineman Edric Houston of Buford, Georgia. He came to Tuscaloosa on an unofficial visit over the weekend, and he's committed to Ohio State, but he might be contemplating a flip to Alabama as well. So Alabama doing what it does under Nick Saban, whether there's a portal, whether there's not a portal, whether there's NIL, whether there's not NIL, you know, it doesn't seem to really matter. Uh, Alabama is going to be there at the top of the recruiting rankings because that's what Nick Saban does because he is the master. He is uh, He's put together the blueprint. When it comes to recruiting, Nick Saban has put together the blueprint that most of these other schools use all over the country. And I'm talking about in terms of, you know, the way you handle your visit weekends, the way you line up the itinerary for recruits with a mix of academics and social and football and everything even in regards to the way you recruit has been impacted by Nick Saban. Nick Saban was one of the first college coaches to use the critical factors in recruiting, just like the NFL uses in terms of drafting. Uh, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban I, were the first that I had you know, read about that used the critical factors in drafting players. And now Nick Saban applies them to college recruiting. What are critical factors, you ask? Well, um, it's a list of things that you need to play the position for which you're being recruited or drafted. Now, it doesn't mean that occasionally you won't recruit a player that doesn't have the critical factors because you see some intangibles, but basically critical factors are that, let's say, for this position, let's say it is an outside linebacker or a edge rusher or whatever you refer to it as. The critical factors may say that that player needs to be a minimum of, let's say, 6'2 and a quarter, you know, and a minimum of 222 pounds. He might have a minimum 40 time, Justin, of 4'7 or 4'65 or whatever it may be. I'm just, he might have to, let's say, ideally, his hand size might be whatever, nine and a half inches width. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. Uh, 
all the things that they look for in terms of what you need to play that position. And more times than not, they won't recruit outside of players that have the critical factors to play that position. Now, again, that doesn't mean there aren't exceptions. You know, maybe a defensive tackle is supposed to be a minimum of 6'2 and 290. Ideally, might need 6'4 and 305. And you might see a guy that's, you know, 6'1 and 275. But you just say, wow, that guy's got a motor. <clears throat> that guy's got a, a ability to get off blocks. That guy's got special talent that doesn't fit the you know, the criteria for the critical factors that we're looking for. He doesn't have the right height. He doesn't have the right weight. He doesn't have the right 40 time, but he is a dynamic football player. But still, when you recruit with those critical factors, it gives you a template to go on for the assistant coaches, you know, so it makes it easier in recruiting when there is a template of this is what we need these players to fit to be recruited by Alabama. So you don't recruit too many players that don't have the critical factors. Again, um, so, I mean, it's just, I'm going around the world here, but I'm just trying to make an example of how Nick Saban has totally reformed the way that recruiting is done. And um, now, for the most part, everybody that's been under him, that's that's pretty much the same blueprint that they use in regards to their recruiting philosophy. And even coaches and programs that don't, have a connection to Nick Saban, they still see the way that Nick Saban's recruited and they follow a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, same things that Alabama does in the recruiting process. It's, it's really amazing. So, uh, for Alabama, there's a lot going on right now. Crimson Tide football, you've got national signing period beginning tomorrow. You got the portal is wide open with players going in and some players being recruited out of the portal. You've got Alabama preparing for a college football playoff semifinal game at the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day against number one ranked Michigan. You're trying to, in these first few days of practice, they've had 11 newcomers come in that are going to be signing tomorrow. And you're trying to get those guys some reps and get them acclimated to college football. And then a lot of the other younger players too. You've been giving them reps. So it's been... It is crazy right now for a college coaching staff. And like I said, we're going to hear from Nick Saban, uh, his clips from yesterday. But a lot of what, a lot of what, um, you know, we're, we're talking about is why, you know, he has got the amount of staff that he has and the amount of analysts and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just almost impossible to do all the things that they do. Without having a huge staff. That's one reason he, he hired George Hilo, the former Michigan linebackers coach. He talked about that yesterday. We'll have the clip for you. And that Hilo coached for Michigan the last two years are in 21 and 22 and also has coached here at Alabama back in 2012. But he hired him to kind of be on campus while they were out recruiting the other coaches and himself in the last couple of weeks. So there's a lot going on in addition to just trying to prepare to play in the biggest game of the season. For Alabama, there's a lot going on on campus. There's a lot going on in recruiting. It's just a lot to do when you're a college football coach this time of the year. Probably too much to do. The calendar probably needs to be 
change some with this portal and, and all that is going on. All right, it is 928 here on the Gary Harris Show. We're going to get to the break, and when we come back, we're going to visit with the Rocket Man, Drudy Arman from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville, talking Bama football, basketball, and more with Drew D. Next, right here on the Gary Harris Show. It's time to ring in the new year right. Bama, a winner over the Georgia Bulldogs, claiming the SEC title. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. This holiday season. National championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Co-host of Talking Ball weekday mornings on 977 ESPN Radio in the Rocket City of Huntsville, Alabama. And, of course, also does a lot of work with the Huntsville High School basketball team. And they are on their way down to Gulf Shores for, uh, I think it's the Mako Classic is the tournament. And uh, Huntsville High School, of course, one of the best teams in the state. And Drew is on a bus right now. But this is how dedicated he is to his craft. He's joining us on the bus ride to talk some ball. Good morning, Drew. Morning, Gary. How are you? Oh, the signal sounds good. Sound Sounds fine. Where are you guys at right now? Oh, yeah, we are at Walker Shop and Road Exit. Uh, we're just about in a little bit of Virginia to Birmingham. Uh, we left this morning about 8 o'clock. I headed down to the Mako Classic in Orange Beach. We're looking forward to the challenge. It's good field. Uh, we play tomorrow at uh, 5.30 against the Clay Chalkville Cougars in, the, in round one. And uh, so we're looking forward to it. It's an eight-team tournament, and we'll wrap it up on the 22nd. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. A lot of big basketball tournaments going on here uh, around the holidays. Another thing we're all looking forward to is the uh, – Early signing period uh, kicking off tomorrow. Alabama, Drew, is, uh, and of course, they'll, you know, going to sign hopefully a player or two in February as well. But Alabama, it looks like, is in the in the running still to have the number one overall recruiting class uh, with uh, Dylan Rayola, the quarterback uh, for Georgia, decommitting and or flipping to Nebraska. Alabama picks up Jay Sean Ross, the edge rusher out of Kansas City yesterday. There's two or three more commitments that they could uh, they could pull in here. Is Alabama got a shot to uh, have the number one overall recruiting class in 2024? Uh, yeah, I think they do. Uh, you know, they need to hold on to Ryan Williams in February. Certainly, now that he's classified, uh, I think he would be you know maybe the best player in the class. And so he's uh, only going to be 17 years old on February the ninth day he signs. Uh, he's magical. Uh, he's a tremendous wide receiver. He would give them a really good wide receiver class as far as a trio. We're talking about private school football and Mike Jefferson from Chattanooga Baylor. And then, uh, you know, Rico Scott from the state of Pennsylvania. So uh, they'd have three really good receivers in the class. And then if they haven't had a – they don't have a running back in the class right now, but they could have two by tomorrow. A uh, really good player out of the state of Georgia, Jaden Ball, who recently decommitted from Arkansas. If you, your listeners need to check out his film, he's – He's considered a, a high three-star prospect or a four-star by most, but I think he looks better than that on tape. And then you got Kevin Riley from Tuscaloosa County. He's a long-time Miami committee, as you know, for Coach Adam Weinstart. I expect him to flip to Alabama, uh, but, you know, on signing day as well. I would not be shocked at all. So 
down to them two running backs. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, they, as you said, they got Jason Ross, the uh, edge rusher out of Kansas City. He publicly committed yesterday. That was for Alabama. Uh, and then they've got a couple more pieces out there on the line, the scrimmage. They beat an offensive tackle, Favor Edwin, out of Eagles Landing in Georgia. He's only a three-star prospect, the Nigerian that just started playing football, uh, but he's only played it for a year, but got a lot of potential. Donald probably redshirt, took a couple years to develop, but he's 6'8", 300 pounds. Uh, and then they've got Steve Bulabua, uh from, uh, you know, uh, Quebec City, Canada, an outstanding defensive lineman. I think he's leading Edward, Alabama. Now, the, the thing that could put him over the top is that Houston, the five-star from Buford, Georgia, uh, the defensive lineman. He's been a long-time commit to, uh, for the last several months to Ohio State. And he visited Alabama Saturday into Sunday uh, unofficially. Uh, and that uh, looks like, uh, you know, Clemson's out. He visited them on Saturday. So it's going to be either sticking with Ohio State or signing with Alabama. And if Alabama can see that Buford pipeline, he's a high five-star level prospect, probably a top 30 kid overall. All those additions I just talked about, that puts Alabama over the top, and they could, get, they could go from uh, – they were four in some, in some of the services two or three days ago, but they could go from four to one. Uh, if all that falls into place by tomorrow. Drew Arman with us talking ball and talking a little recruiting. I, I said earlier in the show, Drew, that, uh, you know, the, when it comes to recruiting, Nick Saban is the constant. Whether there's a portal, not a portal, NIL, whatever it may be, he just continues to recruit. And I, I think one thing that's interesting about Nick Saban, um, you know, we brought the critical factors to college recruiting just like he and Belichick used with the NFL draft, height, weight, speed, hand size, all those things for the position that you're recruiting. But um, I think the thing that's amazing watching Alabama recruit right now, yes, NIL is involved. It's here. It's a reality. I get it. Uh, but Alabama isn't just NIL dependent. They're not just going out there offering money. Uh, it, it's still the same things that he sold the entire time he's been here. He's still selling in terms of developing you for a career on and off the field. Um you know, getting a degree, uh, setting you up for your life outside of football, and then at the same time pitching um, the chance to win championships <laughs> at, at the college level and, and become an All-American and, and, and compete for individual awards, all that still, I think, matters to young men if you present them those opportunities. And Nick, I think Nick Saban does that, Drew. I think that he still recruits somewhat similar to the way he recruited prior to NIL and prior to the portal. Would you agree with that? Well, I just think he chooses his battles. Uh, you know, certainly Alabama takes care of their players from an NIL perspective, but no, you have to, or you're going to get left behind with the way the climate is. But again, Alabama does not, uh, you know, uh, they're not NIL dependent. As you mentioned, they're not doing what Ole Miss is doing, going out behind every player. That's basically what they're doing. Because, I mean, listen, I mean, Ole Miss has got a solid program, but they haven't won anything since the days of Coach John Vaughn. So, uh, you know, uh, and, and that's just a, that's just a fact. Coach Vaught was a great coach and, uh, had, you know, had them rolling in the sixties, but, uh, Johnny Vaughn did, but they haven't won a conference title since then. They've never been to the SEC championship game. Uh, you know, and they never did. And, uh, when they had division play, they were one of the only two schools, them and, uh, you know, Dirt Neck University, aka A&M was the only two that never played the SEC championship game. So I do think Lane's going to have a great team next year, have a chance to anyway. But Alabama's not portal dependent. They choose their spots. They, they, they signed a handful of guys last year out of the portal. Probably going to do that again. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, LT Overton, 
is a guy to watch you know, along the defensive line for A&M. Alabama could be interested in. And I think Alabama's going to be selective because, again, they'll wait till after the dust settles tomorrow and reassess, you know, after the playoff run. You know, I think kind of who's staying and who's going and then, uh, and then address their team uh, from the standpoint of what we know, the, 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 the areas of need, the potential in the secondary, maybe a safer corner. Uh, you know, they did. Uh, they have looked at a couple of edge rushers. Uh, I think Overton would be more of a guy to replace Justin Aboyby, even though he needs to gain weight. But I think Alabama is definitely going to use the portal to their advantage and try to get some more key pieces as they did a year ago. Because let's be honest, Jalen Key and Trey Amos and, uh, and, and Travis Marshall all played huge roles this year in helping Alabama win an SEC title and, and Jermaine Burton two years ago. So they're definitely going to try to find guys that fit. It's not going to be all about NIL. I mean, they're not going to pay certain prices for certain guys. Just first of all, as you said, they don't need to. And second of all, you know, uh, they may use their funds on uh, what they consider more important guys in a more important position. But certainly Ryan Williams is going to be very important. Uh, no question about it. With being in the mix for Edward Houston is very important. So if you're Nick Saban, you don't want to cause a cast system in the locker room. But you also want to be very, very smart because, again, there's no guardrails with this stuff, and you have to be smart with your money. It's almost like having a salary cap here, you know? and I think Alabama has that. And they also have the development aspect they can preach and the NFL aspect, and they're once again going to have multiple first-round draft choices. And the most amazing side of the Nick Saban era is, and this is something that will never change in my opinion, he's got more first-round draft choices than losses in his 17 years. Yeah, it is remarkable. So recruiting is in, uh, is in good hands. That is for sure. Also, of course, the, the really important business at hand for Alabama is preparing to try to win another national championship. They practiced uh, Saturday, Sunday, yesterday, practicing again today, and they'll be here this week and take a little break for Christmas and then uh, fly out to uh, Pasadena on the 26th to begin the final preparations for the college football playoff semifinal in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Drew, you've, you've started to break down this matchup. I, I love this game. I love the, the, the two helmets. I love the tradition. These are, these are blue blood programs playing in the most iconic bowl game in the history of college football. Michigan's unbeaten in ranked number one. Alabama has this one loss in ranked number four. Uh, I would, um, I would say that Alabama's more talented than Michigan top to bottom, but this Michigan team is really good, Drew. What have you seen in, uh, breaking down this matchup? Well, I mean, you know, they, they certainly are an old school type team. Uh, they're very well coached. Uh, they run the football very, very well with Blake Form in their offensive line. Uh, they're very solid in the special teams area. Uh, JJ McCarthy's very efficient from the quarterback position. They don't make a ton of explosive plays. Alabama's made, I think, 75 plays this year, 20 yards or more. I think Michigan's only made about, I don't know, a handful. So, they, they're not really explosive, but they know who they are. They're very comfortable with who they are. Uh, they control the line of scrimmage. So Alabama's going to be ready to play with physicality. They're going to have to slow play for them down. Uh, interestingly, their offense only averages about 380 yards per game. They average about 160 yards rushing. Alabama's going to have to slow the run down. They did it against Georgia. That was the key to winning. It'll be the key in this game. They've got to slow play, core them down, and they have to get pressure on McCarthy. they got to put him on the ground, and, and they got to win the plus-minus uh, aspect. They win the plus-minus, uh, and they don't turn it over themselves. That's been a real key of the stretch run for Alabama, getting back to the playoff and winning the SEC. Uh, you know, well, what is night and day from earlier in the season that Jalen Burrow's been holding, taking care of the football. He's going to have to keep doing that. He's going to have to be a willing runner. He's going to have to make some plays to play. 
Michigan is certainly going to pressure. Michigan is certainly going to be uh, very, very sound fundamentally on defensively. Uh, so Alabama's going to have to earn it. But I think they've got the explosive weapons to do so. Uh, I think they. Well, it'll be interesting to see how healthy Jason McClellan is. I know he's getting ready to hopefully be able to do some running, and I know they're they're uh, they're, they're bringing him along slowly, but hopefully he'll be able to play in this game. But you got really good depth. You've got Roy Dale Williams. You've got Jim Miller, even Justice Haynes. So uh, Alabama's got some really good depth in the running back spot, and I think uh, you know they've got a, a, a multifaceted wide receiver group and. You can use Kendrick Law in the running game and as a receiver. So Alabama's got a lot of weapons. I think they've got more weapons than Michigan. But the key is controlling the line of scrimmage, and Alabama's going to have to protect the football. And if they do, I think they can beat Michigan. Um, personally, I, I thought Alabama would be about a three-point favorite before it's all said and done. I, I, you know, I'm going to kind of stick with that. Uh, I haven't really predicted the score of the game, but I like Alabama. I think they could win from anywhere from five, six, seven to ten points. I think they're the better team. I think they're the more explosive team. But they have to be a clean, the cleaner team, too. If they play clean football, it's going to be tough for Michigan to beat them. Great analysis. Uh, Drew, how do you see the other matchup in the Sugar Bowl with Texas and Washington? I just really like Texas. I think Texas is better along both lines of scrimmage. I, I really love Kalen Ford and what he's done at Washington. and He's done a great job. I mean, uh, They beat a really good Oregon team twice. And Tennessee has been great for them. Uh, they've got a really dangerous receiver core. Dylan Johnson, the transfer from Mississippi State, done a great job running the ball. But, uh, you know, I just like Texas. I like Bo Davis' defensive line. I like Kyle Floyd's O-line. Alabama fans are very familiar with both of them. They've got Quinn Ewers back. They've got a ton of weapons offensively. Davian Sanders, the tight end, healthy now. Uh, you know, you've got Xavier Worthy at wide receiver. You've got A.D. Mitchell, who's always shown up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Keelan Robinson, another former Alabama guy, starting to turn himself. I just really love Stark's play calling. I love his creativity. And I think if they can, once again, protect the football and, 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 and uh, force some turnovers, I like Texas in the game. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I said Texas about, by about four. It's been around the you know, point spread. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be two great games. But, you know, if you had to ask me to pick, I would probably pick uh, Texas in the game somewhere around, you know, 34 to 28. Drew, let's talk some Bama hoops. Alabama gets a number – well, I'm, I have – you know, we're number one, uh, Arizona before they lost to Purdue, a team that beat Alabama. But this game Saturday night, uh, this past Saturday night against Creighton out in Omaha. I mean, when you look at it, uh, Mark Sears had a shot there at the end that went three quarters away down the cylinder and spun out with a forced overtime. But Alabama made only four three point shots. They got outscored, I think, by 13 or 14 points at the free throw line. Um, you know, it's, it's, the same old story. Uh, defensively, I think Wagee got seven minutes of court time before he fouled out. Um, you know, the, the the foul issues when they play these big guys, it's frustrating. I mean, Alabama's a good team. We know that. But it's the same story, it seems like, over and over. Um, you know, are they just a bad defensive team? Do they foul too much? Is it officiating? What's going on in these games that's keeping Alabama from, from winning against – you know, the Clemsons and the Creightons and the Purdue's that, that you've seen so far? Well, I mean, it's key things. It's, you know, the little things. Uh, giving up key offensive rebounds, uh, you know, not missing a block out. They're losing these games by one, two, one or two possessions, Gary. So uh, it makes, it magnifies every play. You can't miss a block out. You can't give uh, good teams, top 10 teams, extra possessions, an extra shot. Uh, that's happened too often. You have to defend without fouling. Uh, you know, Dick Pringle was very effective when he was on the floor Saturday, but 
he fouled a lot, and so did Muhammad McGee. You can't leave your feet. You've got to be sound fundamentally when you guard. Uh, they've got to do a better job of that. Um, you know, I think I, I didn't think they did a good enough job. And Grant Nelson, he's got to be more efficient, uh, both you know, uh, defensively. Don't commit fouls thirty feet from the rim when you're hand checking someone, and then offensively, Grant, you know, been open. He's got to make a couple more threes when he's open, and then finish around the rim, man. You've got to finish. You've got to be strong around the rim. Uh, you've got to use your, your, your length. You've got to be crafty, head fake, things of that nature. But you've got to finish. Uh, I thought they got the ball where they wanted to both games against Purdue uh, and Creighton, but they didn't finish at times. Uh, certainly they cooled off in the second half against uh, Purdue from the three-point line. They never could keep going uh, from there uh, against uh, Creighton, but they did have 60 points in the paint. So they were able to attack the rim, especially uh, with the – uh, Calkin Brenner out with an ankle injury. But, again, it's just one of those things. They're a really good team. They've played a really tough schedule. Their debt rank is in the top ten. Uh, it's just coming down to the little things. I think they've got a shot against Arizona, but Arizona was number one until they got popped by Purdue. It's going to be tough to beat them on a quote-unquote neutral four in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. you just got to keep plugging. you got to keep playing. Um, you know, I think Alabama right now, they're not a great defensive team. I think they can improve. The whole point is going to be, Muhammad Wadi, and then uh, you know, and Grant Nelson and Nick Pringle. They've got to defend without fouling. They can't have three or four guys with three fouls. You know, you know, at the twelve minute mark of the second half, you've got to do a better job of doing that. And you got to be more efficient offensively. Uh, I still think this is a good team. I still think the schedule is going to help them when SEC play starts. Now, is the SEC maybe as strong as it's been the last two years? No, but I still think the top six or seven teams are really good. And if Alabama is a top five team, as most think, they're going to be in the tournament. Uh, and then, you know, they're not going to be 31 6 this year. They might, I don't think they're going to probably win the conference, but if they can get in the tournament and get the right draw, they can do damage. That's what they've got to do. Uh, you know, they've got to continue to get guys comfortable in their roles. I thought, you know, I really liked Ryland's game last week or this past game against, uh, you know, Creighton. I thought he started to get comfortable offensively. They leave him to slash, they beat him. Uh, to start scoring the ball a little bit better to help Grant Nelson, to help leading score Mark Sears. Uh, that's very, very important. And they need Estrada to get back into a rhythm. I thought, you know, I thought uh, defensively he needed to lock in a little bit better. He needs to do a better job with his shot selection. But I think this Alabama team, the best basketball is ahead of them. I think basketball is a funny game. You can play well and lose, Gary. Yeah. And I thought for most of the last game, especially offensively, they did enough good things. They look like a good basketball team. Now they just do some little things like blocking out, rebounding, protecting the basketball, and then making open shots, making big shots at big time, making plays uh, to, to win these close games. Yeah, no doubt about it. Alabama is a good team, but you would like to win some. Arizona, of course, would have been number one, but dropped down to number four after losing to Purdue. But this stretch, Drew, I said uh, last week, I don't remember a tougher non-conference stretch in Alabama basketball history. You play three straight top ten teams all away from home. You played Purdue in Toronto, played uh, Creighton at, at, at their home in Omaha, and now you go to Phoenix, as you said, to play Phoenix, I mean, to play Arizona. I mean, that's, you know, that's ambitious scheduling. I'll, I'll give coach, I'll give coach that. Of course, you, you know, you'd like to win one of these games, and tomorrow night's your last shot. Yeah, it is. And then they're going to give it their best shot, and uh, they're going to battle. And just don't forget, I mean, they, they played a good Ohio State team over at Destin, and Ohio State beat UCLA last week, uh, you know, and so, and I think that Clemson, I know they, they dropped a, 
uh, a game to, I believe, Memphis. The Clemson's got a good team. They're an NCAA tournament team. They have played really, really good competition. It's the toughest schedule I can ever remember an Alabama team playing. Um, some people have said, well, why don't you spread those games out? Look, let you spread them out or play them all in a row. You're going to figure out how good you are. And it'll tell the players what they need to do to, uh, to lock in and to win. And I think it's going to help you. Uh, it certainly is not going to hurt you uh, because it's a marathon, not a sprint. The record doesn't look pretty, but the committee likes your numbers. The metrics are really strong. Just got to start winning some games in the SEC, and I think they're going to do that. Because you also got to understand, you know, Davin Cosby uh, is, is, uh, is a guy that joined the team at the mid midterm last year, did not play, redshirted. Uh, he's had some bright moments, and then you only bring back three other guys. And so, again, you're a, very, you're a young group, uh, you know, a couple of your better players, Estrada, Aaron Estrada, and Trent Nelson are still asserting themselves on this level, getting used to this comp- competition. And certainly this pre-conference schedule will get them ready for the SEC. And certainly I think Alabama understands what they have to do. And uh, it's another uh, chance uh, to prove yourself tomorrow. Uh, just go out, let it rip. And then, you know, you got Eastern Kentucky coming back home to Tuscaloosa. You've got uh, Liberty and the UCM Newton Classic. You can start SEC play against Vanderbilt on the road. So, again, you just got to keep plugging away. You got to keep playing hard. And, you know, and I guarantee you this, it's not affecting their recruiting efforts. They're about to get some good news on the 22nd of this week uh, as a five-star Darion Reed is going to commit to the University of Alabama. Yeah, Drew, that's big news. You're right. Nate Oates is an elite recruiter. And, um, you know, I think you and I both agree. You know, if he stays here, it's just a matter of time. Alabama's going to get to a Final Four. It's just uh, it's just a question to win. And that's the great thing about basketball. You know, you could have a Final Four caliber team like they had the last couple of years and not make it, and then maybe have a team that, that doesn't look Final Four caliber and gets hot at the right time. So, you know, maybe Alabama will make a deep run this year. Hey, great stuff as always, Drew, and uh, uh, let the listeners know where they can find you. Yeah, they can find me at Drew D977 ESPN on my uh, X account, also at 977 ESPN for our station, and all of our content is on 977ESPN.com or on our SoundCloud page. Scott Tyson and I bring you talking ball Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Previewing our own Huntsville City Classic 41st annual event. I've been involved every year since 1990. We've got another great deal that'll be starting on December the 27th. Uh, the Huntsville Panthers, of course, will be headlining that, just like they were going to the Baco Classic to try to win the second holiday tournament. We won the NCAA Hoops earlier this year, Thanksgiving around Thanksgiving at Bob Jones. It's trying to bring back another uh, trope for the case and then continue to stack. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, some really good wins the last weeks and uh, beat a really good Central Phoenix City team this past Friday. And before that, uh, you know, beat the Hoover Bucks. But again, no rest for the weary. Uh, even though you, you, you right now you're feeling good and, you, and you've got a lot of publicity, you're number one in the state 7A, it doesn't matter. you got to keep winning because you're going to have a target on your back, just like Alabama had last year in uh, basketball and football. Uh, you know, and again, Alabama, they're going to keep stacking, uh, you know, uh, in recruiting. It looks like uh, Nick Saban and his staff are going to close strong, and you got to give them a lot of credit. And uh, now the next focus is on the granddaddy over in uh, the Rose Bowl and taking on the Michigan Wolverines, and it should be fun. Thank you, Drew. Have a big time down there at the beach. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. All right, Drew DeArmond with us. It's 9.53. We'll take a break, come back and wrap up this first hour of the program, get you ready for hour number two next here on the Gary Harris Show. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients at Patterson 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather cold and dry today. Lots of sunshine, the high 49. Tonight, another freeze, clear with the low at 29. Then for tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow, 54. The high Thursday at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 37 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 9.56, time flies when you're having fun. This first hour just uh, whizzed right by, but we got another hour coming up here on the Gary Harris Show. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. In hour number two, Kayla Anderson will join us from Nashville at 10.15 with a Titans report. We'll get to those Nick Saban clips from his uh, post-practice presser on Monday evening. Your phone calls coming up as well. So we'll got, uh, we got another good hour coming up. So you keep it dialed in right here at Todd 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC. The Gary Harris Show will continue. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Brian Fenley. A flair for the dramatic this Monday Night Football game had yesterday where the Seahawks and Eagles went toe-to-toe and under a minute to go, with the Seahawks down, Drew Locke changed that. Locke from the shotgun. JSN is wide to the far side. Drew looks, throws that way. Got JSN. He reaches up. Makes the catch. Touchdown. Seahawks. Holy catfish. What a throw by Drew Locke. What an over-the-shoulder catch by Jackson Smith and Jigba. Seahawks Radio Network, so with the extra point, that made it 20 to 17, just 28 seconds to play. Hawks would go on to win it 20 to 17, giving the Eagles their fourth loss on the year. And they have lost three straight games as for Seattle, seven and seven now, and a tie for that final wildcard spot in the NFC. Now, this hour is West Alabama real time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. There will be no last-minute meeting today between Kentucky and Northport in an effort to keep the Arts Center and the Festival in Northport. The Tuscaloosa City Council will vote on a memorandum of understanding tonight between Kentucky and Tuscaloosa for a move there. The Tuscaloosa City Council also expected to approve a request by the Tuscaloosa City School System to ask the legislature to allow a vote on a property tax increase in the city. Tuscaloosa Media Executive Jimmy Warren has been named Associate Vice President for Alumni Affairs and Executive Director of the National Alumni Association at Newway. 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome to hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM, WTBC. Kayla Anderson with the Titans Report coming up at uh, 
10-15, it's been a lost season for the Tennessee Titans, and it kind of bottomed out this past Sunday in Nashville against Houston because, of course, the Titans used to be in Houston as the Oilers, and they were wearing the throwbacks, and the Texans came in, and Derrick Henry had the worst game of his career, and we'll break all that down. Do need to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show brought to you by my friends Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. Clients and prospective clients are treated with respect and care. At Patterson Comer, we invite you to contact us with legal questions concerning personal injury, automobile accidents, wrongful death, product liability, 18 winter accidents, or any legal questions that you may have. Our business is to take care of your needs. Call Paul Patterson in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000 or Mike Comer in Northport at 205-759-3939. And remember, the commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, and we are going to start this second hour by jumping out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcoming in our pal Tom, who is uh, joining us. Sounds like you're in your car this morning, Tom. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well. Um, You know, I was listening to you and uh, Drew talk about... uh, uh, the recruiting ranking and all that kind of stuff. And, and I know this is redundant, but, uh, you know, Coach Saban uh, does an outstanding job recruiting. I mean, uh, duh, you know, that that's an understatement. But, you know, you were talking about some other things about Coach Saban, and I couldn't help but think that, you know, he, he's been one to evolve the whole – whole time since he got to Alabama, he's been morphing into a better coach, a better this, a better that, a better recruiter. And, uh, and the process, uh, has dictated that, that, uh, that change, I do think. And, uh, uh, and, and, you know, I was thinking about this, Gary, uh, the, the psychological profiling that they do now compared to they, when he first got there. Don't you think that that's a major part of his evaluation? Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, Tom, I, I do. And- I, uh, I I just think the guy is thorough. He's detailed. Um, he has a formula that is, you know, that he's built over time, but he continues to tweak it. He continues to um, – have all the critical factors that we talked about, but also he's fluid a little bit, Tom. You know what I mean? And uh, he looks at the situation now probably differently than he did five years ago and probably looked at it differently five years ago than he did ten years ago. You know what I mean? He he evolves. And, uh, that's my point. Yeah, and you're 100% right. I mean, that that's – But don't you think, though, Gary, don't you think it is absolutely fascinating uh, – to watch the process uh, as he exercises it uh, and, and applies it to his trade. And and to me, that's what's so fascinating. You know, there's nobody that he encounters, whether it be a celebrity guest speaker in the summer camp or uh, whatever. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter who it is. You can always tell, you know, he gets his time with these people and he sits down and, and something I've learned about him, he's always trying to figure out what can I learn from them, from their perspective. You know, right. how do they see things? And how can I learn from them 
and apply it to me. And I, I think that is such a great lesson for everybody that uh, that takes the time to explore how he goes about his business. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I, I think that... You know, there were people trying to to bury him after the kick six, saying that he had lost it. You know, with the with the spread offenses in the RPO game, his ability to evolve is what has kept him on top. And also, at seventy two years old, it's what keeps him young. I think what you just said. I think you had a great point on he listens, and I think he adapts because he does listen and he understands young people. Uh, I don't care that he's 72. He relates to kids that are 18. Age does not, when you look at or listen, more importantly, when you listen to it. That's right. It's not like you're listening to uh, a 70-some-year-old person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't don't even think about that. Man, you're, tell you what, Tom, you've been wanting me to give you credit. You're you're in fuego with this call. I mean, you're hitting so many strong points on Nick Saban. Well, I tell you what, though, it was inspired by a conversation that you had with Drew today. But not only that, over over several months of time, you know how we go back and forth about how did Coach Saban go about this, that, and the other, and 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 you know, here's something I want to give you credit for. You know, you said I you always want to hear his opening statement. Mm-hmm. Every press mm-hmm. conference, you say, I, I really enjoy his opening statement. Well, that is so freaking true because jam packed with information and and, uh, and and stuff that helps you. You know what I mean? Absolutely, because he comes and, and, into and, the uh, press conference. I, I, you know, when you said that, I went, you know what? That's the freaking truth right there. And uh, But, yeah, I, I mean, it, it is so interesting the way that uh, he does and the way he runs the program and all that stuff, the aforementioned things. Yeah, because he comes into the press conference with something to say. I mean, he doesn't just walk in there and say, okay, uh, questions or... Yeah, you know, it's like he's got a (laughs) message, and he's always on point. And getting back to what you said about the age, yeah, you don't... Yeah, it doesn't even... It doesn't even register with me. Now, I guess, you know, when I look at some video from 2007 or 2008 and I look at video now, you know, I can tell he's aged. I mean, obviously. I mean, he, you know, he was 57 or whatever when he got here and he's 72 now, 56 when he got here. And so, you know, there is a difference. But still, when I'm listening to him talk or I'm watching him work or I'm watching him on the sidelines of the practice field, I don't look at him any differently than I did in 2008. I mean, he still moves the same way. He still he still coaches the same way, and he interacts with people the same way. And and I don't yeah. look at him at the podium and think, man, that guy's old. That never crosses you know, my mind with Nick Saban ever. And and, and I I enjoy watching uh, the the coaches show on Thursday night uh, because you know he says a lot of good. Yeah, uh, you know you you're up there. You've been up there with him at the head table, so to speak, and and he says a lot of good stuff up there. Great stuff. I mean, he's one of he is one of the best coaches I have ever listened to at communicating and getting his message out through the media. Whether it's a press conference, whether it's his radio show, whether it's an interview that he's doing with Pat McAfee, whether it's a guest appearance uh, when Alabama's not in the playoff and he's guesting as an analyst, he's still getting messages out. 
he understands and knows how to use the media, not only to inform people, but also to help him and get the message out that he wants to get out for the University of Alabama. Don't think that when he's when he's a guest analyst on ESPN that he's just doing that because they're paying him and because he enjoys it, which I'm sure he does. But he also sees this as yet another opportunity, even if Alabama's not in the championship game or the college football playoff, to be up there getting the message out for Alabama and his program. He's he's sure. a brilliant not sure. just a coach. I think it's I think it's somewhat unfair to say he's a brilliant coach. I think he's I think he's a brilliant man. I I think he's a well, really. That's the thing, coach. If you just limit him to coach, uh, I would go as far as to say a philosopher, <laughs> and uh, and people will laugh at that. But you know, the thing about it, the, the, the you brought up something that I think needs to be uh, I could add too, if you don't mind, and that is, you know, to be in demand like he is, people want to hear what he's got to say. But you got to give them substance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You actually have got to be saying something that makes sense. And he always does. And uh, But, uh, you know, back to what we were talking about, his evolving of the recruiting process has been a very interesting thing uh, to watch since he got here. It really has. I mean, like I said, this has been a terrific call, Tom. I'll see you, Gary. All right. It's 10 12 here on the Gary Harris Show. Great stuff from Tom today, man. He made some points and obviously, you know, ones that I agree with when it comes to Nick Saban. I, I don't think you can just limit him to being a great coach. I think you have to include that he's a great motivator. Um, he obviously is a great businessman when you look at what he's been able to do with his interest off the field in the car dealership business. And, um, you know, he is a, person that um you know is in demand to speak to fortune 500 companies not just because of his ability as a football coach but when you listen to him speak to one of these groups justin i'm telling you right now he is um he is tremendous 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 all right let's uh go ahead and get to our break because we want to come back and have plenty of time for kayla anderson and the titans report because my gosh man i don't know what uh what to say about the uh the Titans. It's been a it's been a lost season, and I think it's probably the swan song for Derrick Henry. And boy, the game! I never thought I'd see Derrick Henry have a game like he had against the Houston Texans on Sunday, but he did. Before we go, though, I want to mention the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. That brand new cardio equipment is in place. Uh, they put it in in November. It's here for the new year. It is state of the art. Everything that you need is at the YMCA to get fit in 2024. All right, 2023 might have not been your best year. Might have been stressful. Uh, but you know what? That's the great thing about life. It renews, and so does uh, the calendar. Every year as we close out a year, we get to look forward to the promise of a new year and something better. And I think part of that has to do with your personal fitness and health, and you can get it at the YMCA. Jeff Knox, the CEO, and his staff, the personal training, the fitness classes, uh, everything's in place. Child care, unbelievable, beautiful, clean facility. Get by and see him at the Y, 2313 Street downtown. We're back with Kayla Anderson next right here on the Gary Harris Show. The Birmingham Racecourse Casino, 7. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather cold and dry today. Lots of sunshine, the high 49. Tonight, another freeze, clear with the low at 29. Then for tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow, 54. The high Thursday at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 41 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide, the best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama sports. 
Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tennessee whiskey means it's Tennessee Titans before Tom with Kayla Anderson. Emmy winning sports anchor now on Ramon, Kayla, and Will. 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. And gracious enough to join us every week and talk about uh, the Tennessee Titans and what is really now officially a lost season. But uh, we still want to get the scoop. Good morning, Kayla. Good morning, Gary. Hope you all are doing well. Doing well. Uh, Titans fans, probably not so much. It's It's been a rough year, and I guess it kind of culminated on Sunday when you had uh, – the Houston Texans coming in, the team that replaced the Houston Oilers when they left and became the Tennessee Oilers and later the Tennessee Titans. And you got the Titans wearing the Oilers um, throwback uniforms, those beautiful powder blues with the oil rig on the helmet, which kind of ticked off some people in Houston. You've got Derrick Henry who had four career games of 200 or more yards rushing against the Texans. And you had the Tennessee Titans in position to win a game that they lost. And Derrick Henry having the worst game of his NFL career with a just miserable 16 carries for nine yards. In fact, it's one of the it's one of the worst games in the history of uh, the National Football League for running back. So I guess with uh, Earl Campbell and Eddie George on hand, I, I, I hate to say bottomed out because the Titans have more games to play. But Sunday was about as bad as it can get, Kayla. Let's be honest. I think that that was their worst loss of the season. And look, they've had some bad ones, so that's saying a lot. And for the the sheer fact you just laid out all the stuff with the history, um, I mean, you had legends in the house. Uh, also, Billy White Shoes Johnson was there mm-hmm. as he was being inducted into the Ring of Honor. I mean, everything you can imagine, what usually you would hope to be a great ending in terms of a win on a, on a day like that in those beautiful love you blue unis. And it ends up like that. I mean, it was, it was disastrous. And I think fans, you know, were pretty much just as mad as uh, the players were as head coach Rabel was. I mean, it was just a bad performance to let's be honest, a backup team. If you're looking at what the Houston uh, Texans had at that time, they didn't have CJ Stroud. They were on, they used their third string quarterback for the most part in Case Keenum and really kind of allowed Singletary to, to run up over a hundred plus yards on what is usually a good run defense. And look, the defense for the Titans was actually not bad, but the offensive performance and you put the numbers out there for Derrick Henry, his worst performance in the NFL, like that was that was crazy that I witnessed that, right? At some point, I had to go look at the stats and say, is this really correct? Are these really the stats for Derrick Henry right now? I mean, they just could not get them going in, going in terms of this offensive line. It was one of it's the horrible. worst. It's horrible. It's embarrassing. Well, and it got Will Levis hurt. I haven't, I haven't even gotten to that part. Will Levis is hurt. He's got a high ankle sprain. I think he's not even going to be back for the rest of the season. Jeez. 
Yeah, and it, yeah, well, yeah, we'll 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 expand on that. But you got the the Texans coming in, as you mentioned, no C.J. Stroud, no Nico Collins, no Will Anderson Jr. And you know, from the Derrick Henry perspective, no team had been torched more by Derrick Henry than the Houston yeah. Texans. Now, D'Amico Ryan's didn't say we're going to stop him, but he kind of alluded to during the week. He kind of said, you know, this is a new yeah. this is a new Texans team, and you know, we're not going to hit him high. We're going to get to him with a lot of different people. And as you said, he never got past the line of scrimmage. I had never seen anything like it i i it it was it was just shocking uh even though this team's been trending in the wrong direction with the run game all year i mean he never got any daylight no i mean and it was not i i i had this conversation on on the radio on monday on ramon kaylin will you know because fans are frustrated with everything at this point i mean they're pointing fingers at anything they can point them at and you know some of the conversation is derek are we seeing the last, you know, three games that he'll be in a two-tone blue uniform, and and that very well may be the case. But I don't think you look at Derrick Henry at all this season and recently and say it's all his fault. It's not even close to being all his fault. It it, it has been an absolute disaster up front all in the entire season. There has been guys that have gone in and out of that line like every week, and there's there's just no way to build anything in terms of consistency or chemistry with that line, um, it's just, it's done a disservice to Derrick Henry. It's done a disservice to Ryan Tannehill, who got hurt earlier on in the season. And, you know, Will Levis is younger and was able to stay healthy for a minute. And now he's hurt. And that, and he's the future quarterback of this franchise at this point, I think we can agree on. So um, I think it's just really unfortunate the way things have ended here if this is the last time we see Derrick Henry in a Titans uniform. But I will say this, Gary, he's going to go out and do what, you know, he's going to do. And hopefully, you know, he ends the season on, on more of a positive note because I know he was actually pretty emotional at the press conference when asked about this being his worst performance. I mean, you could see how much it bothered him, Gary. Yeah, and I really appreciated his professionalism because I, I I did watch it like you said you know he just said hey I got three games left for sure and I want to try to finish this thing off right but I mean it would have been easy to have lashed out it would have been easy just to have said man this yeah. is you know but he didn't do it I mean he and he didn't you know he didn't make excuses and he didn't feel sorry for himself and and I, I really admired the way he handled himself I mean do you think it's the end I mean it, clearly this team after this season is going to have to um, figure out what direction it's headed in. And I just can't imagine Derrick Henry being in their future plans. Can you? I really can't. And that's really tough because I have been here really for Derrick Henry's entire career almost, except for the first, I think, two years. Um, And so I've seen him at his best and I've seen him really carry this team um, and be the role model that he is for this Titans team on and off the field. Um, he, it's historic what he's done. I mean, every week we've talked about breaking records. This has been going on for two, three years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible what he's done. And for him to, I think, finish his career strong, for his sake, Gary, I kind of want him to be able to go finish somewhere where he can get a ring. And I know that will be hard for Titans fans to absorb, but I think I even hear from Titans fans yeah. because you know that's not that's not going to happen here in the next couple of years. It's just not. I mean, they've got so much rebuilding to do specifically on that line. 
Like, it's just, I think it's best for Derrick Henry, and I think it's best for the Titans if they end up just parting ways this next season, um, as tough as that sounds. All right, let's get back to Levis, uh, because did I hear you say that his his season could be in jeopardy from this injury? Yeah, absolutely, Gary, and we'll find out tomorrow a little bit more in terms of uh, they'll be back on the practice field, but the word is is that it is a high ankle sprain. And um, similar to what Ryan Tannehill had dealt with last season with that high ankle sprain that actually knocked him out for the rest of the season. I don't think it's to that level, but I don't think you put him back out there knowing that if he gets knocked one more time or if Will Levis, who continues to play a little more physical than they'd like him to, and he's still learning how to tone that down, I don't trust Will Levis even, you know, stopping himself from even prevent or from making that injury even worse. So I think they shut him down with three games to go and really the playoffs are out of the picture at this point. You've already seen what you got from Will Levis. And I think everybody's convinced that he is your quarterback moving forward. So I think the big question now, Gary, is who the heck do you put in? Yeah. If you put Ryan Tannehill in, I don't even know if if he wants to go in because he's a free agent. He wants to be able to be healthy going into next year on the market. And with Malik Willis, you put him in, and I'm sure he'll relish the opportunity. But, I mean, you're you're probably not going to get anything out of that either. And maybe he'll get a little bit of tape, but I think we've already known what Malik Willis is, and I think his tape kind of proves it too, so... Kayla Anderson with us breaking down the the Titans and uh, one final thought on the game Sunday because again it it was kind of an emotional game from the standpoint that the Houston Oilers left Houston Bum Phillips moved them to Nashville for played a year in Memphis and then you know one year in Nashville as the Tennessee Oilers made the switch and there was a lot of going back and forth on social media between people in the two cities about should the Oilers have the right to wear the powder blues and some of the people you know the te- Texans fans took uh took umbrage to it I don't get it I mean that's the history of the Oilers are you know are they are the yeah. Tennessee Titans but still to have that team in there and to lose that game again it that 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 was tough just from from that standpoint of the two cities well and I like like look I like what they've done because the biggest thing that Amy Adams drunk has done since she got here well, she's actually reunited what was the Oilers and now the Titans, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it is really actually cool to see so many alum come back. And, um, you know, earlier on in the season they had, I mean, I cannot believe the amount of um, former players, whether they be Oilers or Titans, that were here. It was incredible. I mean, it was so cool to see all of them coming together, sharing something in common. And I think that was important for Amy to do for her father who – you know, I think she's just a little bit more advanced with some of the things nowadays in terms of that. So I think it's a good thing, but I think it's also a little bit risky when you decide to wear those against the Oilers mm-hmm. when, when you don't know what the outcome will be. I, I think it was cool that they did it once this season with, with Alumni Weekend, but I did find it a little bit risky to do this season at the end of the year with the Houston Oilers. like or Houston uh, Texans, I I think that was a little bit risky because now you are seeing kind of the, the, the pushback on it a lot more than what you did see from that first game where they didn't play 
the Texans. So, yeah, it, it's it's either you agree or you don't. I don't have a problem with the history and them wearing them. I just think you got to be careful next time to, to maybe not push the button too too hard. Three games left at home against Seattle, at Houston in a rematch, and then at home against Jacksonville in a game that when it was scheduled, you a lot of people thought, well, maybe that'll be for the for the AFC South. So these final three games may not have Levis, uh, Derrick Henry playing out the the string. I guess uh, this is where you really test the metal of your your franchise and your your professionalism to go out and and for this team and these coaches and these players to give maximum effort because I hate when people say you don't have anything to play for and that is such an insult to professional athletes you always have something to play for you have a chance to win yeah. a game and you got a chance to win you know three games I, I, is that kind of the feeling you're getting from the from Vrabel and company is hey we still got a lot to play for we want to we want to win some games oh yeah I mean nobody nobody I'm sorry if you are a athlete playing in the National Football League every single Sunday or Thursday or Monday, whenever you play, like, you're going out there to win a game. That's right. Like, I'm sorry, do not tell me that these guys who are ultra-competitive, competitive at the highest level, are going out there thinking, oh, yeah, we're, we're just going to throw in the towel. Like, there's no way. And if you are like that, get off the field. Right. I don't want them on that team. I'm sure Mike Vrabel is probably the number one coach you could probably target to and says, hey, if you don't want to play here, Get out. And guess what? That has happened recently because two guys are gone. Um, and so I think it's one of those things where not only are you playing for pride, um, there's a lot of guys that won't be on this team that are playing to put good tape out there because guess what? You're going to look at the tape towards the end of the season. That's what you're going to look at. Um, what have you done now? What have you done lately? So you, you have guys that are going out there trying to put tape out there um, for what could possibly be either a re-signing here or with the new team. And then you've got younger players here that um, I think need to build off of the end of the year to carry that into next season. So I think there's a lot to play for. And nobody wants to go out there and lose a game. And two of their final, you know, three games are right here at Nissan Stadium. So you have an opportunity this weekend. I know Seattle just got that huge win yesterday against Philadelphia, but guess what? Their emotions are running high now, mm -hmm. and they're on a short week, and they got to travel to Nashville for Christmas Eve. So for, for me, if I'm an athlete, I'm going out there. I don't care who the quarterback is. Like, let's find a way to get a win, and let's just continue to, to, to get that going throughout the rest of the season because then you have – Houston, right? And then you got Jacksonville, and they still don't have an AFC South win this season. So you can still have something to at least play for in terms of pride. That's right. And finally, talking with you this season, I've gotten the impression that you feel strongly that Vrabel will be back next year. Is that still um, your take? Yeah, there's no question about that. And especially since I think all the Bill Belichick trade rumors for Vrabel have gone kind of quiet, that's that was what really sparked everything up. Um, now that that is probably not the case, and I think that's been put to bed uh, by a couple different um, people out there, I think that you can expect Rabel to be here next season. But I will say this. If we do not see signs of improvement in several areas, and if, if there is not, you know, some sort of, positive look for the future i think that he he would be gone next year if it went anything like it did this year i really do feel like 
he could be out the door after next season. And obviously, Levis is the guy going forward. Uh, there's not going to be much of a market for Ryan Tannehill. I don't know where he stands contract-wise. Do you just cut him in the offseason, or do you keep him if he wants to stay on as a backup? Well, he's a free agent, too. Oh, he's, so his contract so, is up. Okay, yeah. Well, he's Yeah, yeah. So his, yeah, his contract's up. Derek's contract's up. So it kind of, in a way, yeah. as weird as it sounds, works out well for Ryan because um, I think he'll still play. I don't think he'll retire. And look, look at the look at the market though, and look at some of these teams playing with backups this season. He could have been healthy, utilized in several different areas, right? The Jets could have used him this year mm-hmm. if you if you were healthy at that time. Um, so I think he'll get a chance to play somewhere else. Um, but he definitely uh, has seen probably his final days here in Tennessee, unless he is the starter. Uh, the rest of the way here this season. Great stuff as always, Kayla. And um, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, or X as they now call it, which I don't like. Uh, but it is at Kayla Anderson TV. Um, you can find plenty from me there in terms of college football and NFL. And then you can listen to our podcast, Ramon, Kayla, and Will, wherever you find your podcast. Thank you, Kayla. Thanks so much, you guys. Have a great Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas to you. Great stuff from Kayla Anderson, as always, with the Tennessee Titans report. All right, it's 1033 here on the Gary Harris Show, and um, we are going to take a time out. When we come back, your phone calls are welcome on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. Also, uh, we're going to get those Nick Saban clips in regards to Alabama football. He met with the media yesterday following practice. That's coming up next on the Gary Harris Show. Houston High Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1037, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Nick Saban, as we talked about, meeting with the media on... uh, Monday evening following practice and the first time he'd been in front of the local media in some time. And uh, we've got uh, some of his, uh, well, all of his audio clipped up. Let's start with the opening comment, as we always do. Justin, here's Nick Saban from uh, Monday evening. So, you know, the uh, first three days of practice here, we really tried to focus on fundamentals. Um, you know, I think everybody's got to practice with a plan, a sense of purpose, uh, everybody's got to kind of reinvest into uh, conditioning, reinvest into fundamental techniques, uh, discipline to execute, blocking, tackling. Um, it all translate into, will translate into positive performance in the game. Um, and I think it's, you know, hard to carry the momentum from the season to a game when you got almost a month, you know, between games. So players really have to reinvest in um you know, all those things. The players did a good job, you know, in the two weeks in between and finals week. Um, and we've had three good days of work. Uh, so we want to continue that uh, for the next four practices. And, you know, hopefully we'll get closer to where we need to be in terms of being able to go play like we're capable of playing, you know, in this game. It's a great opportunity for our players. It's a great challenge for them. But, you know, you're not really owed anything when you're playing these games. You know, it's like a one-game season when you're playing in the playoffs. So we got to put everything into it we can, um, and everybody's working hard to try to do that. Um, you know, I'd like to congratulate the 15 guys that we had graduate on Saturday. Uh, three guys got master's degrees. 
uh, Justin Aboidby, Seth McLaughlin, and Will Reichert, and 12 other guys graduated. Uh, we've had six guys make, you know, some kind of All-American teams, Dallas Kool-Aid, Terry On, uh, J.C. Latham, Will Reichert, Caleb Downs. So really proud of those guys for their performance. But, you know, I think they would be the first to tell you that uh, their success comes because of their teammates and, you know, all the guys who contribute to allowing them to have positive performance. So, um, you know, we're just grinding through it and working. And, um, you know, tomorrow we'll get back at it. All right, let's just go through these clips in the order. This is probably easiest today because he doesn't. T- he didn't talk very long yesterday. Like I said, he was all business. Here he is. He was asked about during the break, uh, you know, self-scouting, uh, working on tendencies, things that you do uh, when you don't practice for a couple of weeks. You know, we do quality control just about every week, you know, on what our tendencies are and what we're doing and what we can do to try to, you know, break those in some way, shape, or form. So, um, and certainly with this extra time here, that's something that we most certainly are trying to do. All right. He was asked, too, about the uh, hiring of George Hilo, who had been on Alabama staff back in 2012, but most recently was the linebackers coach at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh in 2021 and 2022. And uh, Nick Saban said that, uh, you know, we bring guys in this time of the year pretty much every year because we need help. Well, George has been here before, so he was with us for a long time, you know, knows our system. Uh, I think every year that, you know, we've been in the playoffs, we've, you know, tried to bring somebody in primarily because, um, you know, we spent two weeks really on the road recruiting. Um, so uh, somebody to do a little extra work uh, that has ex- good experience um, and, you know, when we get off the road, being able to give us a good scouting report of what we need to know. And um, so that's, you know, the purpose just to add, you know, sort of a, a special assistant to me, whatever you want to call it, to, um, you know, when I come off the road, be able to get me up to speed on what's happening. So um, that that's the reason we've always done that. And because of the Michigan sign-stealing story, um uh, he was asked, Coach Saban was, about if Alabama's planning to make any changes to their signs or the way that they do the signs for uh, this upcoming game against the Wolverines. Uh, not really. Um, you know, we always change things up a little bit, but, um, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on what we have to do to try to get good execution. And, um, you know, I, we, we, we we're not really concerned about any of that stuff. Jace McClellan missed the SEC championship game, and Coach Saban was asked about his uh, recovery from injury. Uh, you know, he's getting better. Um, I think it's probably still too early to tell. Um, uh, he's getting ready to do dry land running and some things, so, you know, he'll progress through the rest of the week, and, you know, we see where he lands by the end of the week. I also want to add in, Gary, I didn't clip it up because it was a very one-worded answer. They asked if Kool-Aid McKinstry has progressed through concussion protocol, and he has. Yeah, he said he's fine, he's back, and he's uh, he's back to work. Thanks, Justin. And he was later asked, and uh, this was one of those questions that he didn't, he didn't have a lot of time for. He was asked about Hilo's future uh, because we know that Coleman Hutzler is reportedly leaving for Mississippi State to become the defensive coordinator under Jeff Levy once this season has concluded. And um, so 
Saban was asked about Hilo's future with the program and could he be moving into the role currently occupied by Hutzler. Look, we're not concerned about any of that stuff right now. You know, we got a game coming up. Uh, Coleman Hutzler is here. He's finishing the season. I don't have time right now to go through the due diligence of hiring anybody or even be concerned about that. So, um, you know, we're we're focused on what we got to do right now. Yeah, keeping the main thing the main thing. And I could you could watch his eyes when that question was being asked that he wasn't uh, he wasn't going to have a, a much of an insightful answer on that because he told the truth. I don't think he's worried about that right now. All right, he was asked about uh, his relationship with Jim Harbaugh. He knows the Harbaugh family well, and he's friends with Tom Crean, who is the former basketball coach in Indiana and Georgia, Marquette, and is a brother-in-law to, to Jim Harbaugh. And he was asked about visiting with them. I think it was down in New Orleans sometime uh, ago and. Here's Coach Saban's answer to to that. Yeah, well, Tom Crane was an assistant basketball coach for Tom Izzo when you know I was back at Michigan State. You know, he's a good man, good friend. Uh, it's a great family, the Harbaugh family. Uh, I've known the dad. He used to help me when I was old secondary coach, and um, you know, his brother John are great football people. So, got a lot of respect for the entire family, and you know, Tom Crane is you know part of that family. And he was asked about, uh, as we're winding it down, Nick Saban was asked about preparing for Michigan's offense. You know, uh, Corum gives them a downhill running game. McCarthy, the quarterback, has uh, been a playmaker at times and at times has, has struggled a little bit. But this Michigan offense has been very effective and efficient. Well, I, I think that, you know, they do a really good job on offense. Um, you know, week to week, they've got a pretty good plan formationally in terms of, their ability to go out and give you some different looks. And, you know, it's a challenge for the players to have the discipline and the eye control to look at the right things so that, you know, when those kind of plays come up, you're in position to play them. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that they do it any more than, you know, anybody else that we play. I, I just think it's a good part of your offense to be able to have some of those things that complement some of the things you do down in and down out. And finally, um, he was asked about talking with players about their future and the portal and NIL and all the things that go on. Just, you know, if he has those types of talks with players and basically uh, Coach Saban said that, you know, what we talk about with the players or what I talk about with the players is uh, personal and private. You know, I did talk to the, all the players after the Georgia game, but, you know, what I talk to players about really is not for public consumption. I mean, you know, there's some things – that I think are still sacred on a team. And if you want to talk to a guy about his future, that should be sacred. You know, um, if he wants to share uh, his feelings with you, you know, I think you should ask him. So there you go. That was the entire press conference. Cooked up. Thank you, Justin, for that. Perked out, worked out perfectly time-wise. All right, we got one segment to go here on the Gary Harris Show. If you want to join us, the hotline is open, the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. One final segment. We're wide open. We'd love to hear from you. I think we have a pretty informative show today, but uh, if you want to give us a ring, now would be a perfect time to do so. Get in here on the final segment. So we'll be right back to wrap it up with one more segment of the Gary Harris Show here on Todd 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. 
Catch Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Christian Miller from the Miller's Edge here, and I want to urge you guys to tune in tomorrow, Tuesday. It's a talking Tuesday. We want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the Alabama-Michigan Rose Bowl matchup coming up January 1st? Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather cold and dry today. Lots of sunshine, the high 49. Tonight, another freeze, clear with the low at 29. Then for tomorrow and Thursday, sunny both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow, 54. The high Thursday at 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 42 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Where the season never ends. This is your home of Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. It's screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Final segment. We do have uh, the phone line on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline open. If you want to give us a ring, 205-342-9904, we can certainly fit you in. This is something that um, we've been talking about with Casey Smith on golf a lot, just the way these major championships are going to look now with 2024 on the horizon and the masters it's already according to the associated press which has the smallest field of all the majors anyway the 2024 edition could be one of the smallest in years depending on the first three months of the pga tour season just because of eligibility issues and world rankings and live players not getting world ranking points and all of that stuff So, the field is looking to be smaller than normal. Of course, if you're playing in the tournament, um, that's a good thing. You know, less players to compete against. But they're looking right now, if the number that's out there is 77 players. To give you an example... The Masters really does not want over 100 players in its field. The last time it had over 100 players in the tournament was back in 1966 when it had 103. But normally, you know, it's in that 90 range, 85 range. So 77 players can make for a much smaller Masters than normal. Of course, again, I guess there's some other ways for people to qualify. We'll see. But um, when you've got two tours now, the Live and the PGA Tour, it is impacting some of these uh, major championships. Also, this note on another topic that we cover here on the show every Thursday with D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the Falcons report. Falcons are 
they're playing musical quarterbacks now with Arthur Smith, the head coach. They're making a quarterback switch again as Taylor Heineke is now listed as the starter for Sunday's game against Indianapolis, replacing Desmond Ritter for the second time this season. And um, it just goes to show you the Falcons quarterback situation is not good. I mean, that's about all you could, you know, take from this is they're, you know, they don't really have the quarterback that they need. So they're going back and forth from a guy that they drafted, Ritter, who even when they drafted him, there were questions about whether or not he was a going to be a quality NFL quarterback. And then Heineke, he was a cast off of the Washington Commanders. But the Falcons are still in the hunt for the NFC South Championship because it's such a bad division. But they can't afford another loss. Falcons have to win out to have any shot to get into the playoffs. And um, that's going to start with a game against the Colts. And they're going to turn to Taylor Heineke. Justin, you've been around you know, long enough to watch enough NFL football that to know, listen, usually if you're, going, if you're playing musical chairs with your quarterbacks in the NFL, it's not a good thing. No, it's definitely not a good thing. And... For a while there, it looked like Desmond Ritter, I say for a while, maybe for a small, small second, it looked like Desmond Ritter might be able to be that guy in Atlanta. But it seems like their struggles are just going to have to to keep rolling on ever since they lost in the Super Bowl to Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yeah, that's the defining moment of this franchise because the Atlanta Falcons have been losers more than they've been winners. But that year, they were the best team in football. That year, they were dominating the New England Patriots, 28-3, to and the third quarter of the Super Bowl. And that year, they had the biggest collapse in Super Bowl history, and it kind of defined this program. And they haven't been the same since. This organization hasn't. And should have been a Super Bowl. Should have been a world champion. Julio Jones should have a world championship ring. Matt Ryan should have. And I blame Dan Quinn. And, And as good as Kyle Shanahan is, and they love him, I blame Kyle Shanahan. You know, the way they managed that game offensively was horrible. Absolutely horrible. And, um, you know, Which now. It's crazy to think that team, because now Dan Quinn is the DC for the Cowboys, mm-hmm. right? And they have a, one of the best defenses mm-hmm. in the and league. And Shanahan's the head coach of the 49ers. They yeah. probably had the best team. No, they're good coaches. Listen, the reason, that's the reason they were in the Super Bowl, is they had a good coaching staff. But they did not, man. When you're up 28 to 3 in the third quarter, yeah, give the Patriots credit. But you have to lose the game as much as the other team has to win it. And the Falcons had every opportunity to put that game away. And they didn't. And they had some stupid, stupid play calls. And um, I don't know that they'll ever get over it. I, I really don't. When you've got a chance to win a world championship, you know, you need to take advantage of it. And they didn't. And, you know, they're playing with in an organ, in a, in a, in a division where the Saints have won a world championship. The Bucks have won a world championship. Won two. Um, well, and this year it, it looks like nobody in that division wants to win. The well, division. it's a bad division, <laughs> but Falcons had their opportunity and, and now they're a mess. All right. That's going to do it for the show. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. And, uh, we're going to make way for the Miller's Edge with Corey Miller and Kristen Miller, 11 until noon, then big noon sports noon until two with Matt and Lars. And Ryan Fowler will take you home this afternoon with the game two until six. And, uh, we'll be back here tomorrow. For the Gary Harris Show at 9 a.m. Also tonight, catch me on TV with your local sports and with Rodney Orr for Tider Insider TV at 6.30 on WVUA 23. For Justin Jones, and I mentioned Wyatt Fulton. He ducked out on us. Uh, He's the new, uh, what is it, digital...
What's his title here at Town Square? Digital Managing Editor. Yeah, Digital Managing Editor. So we'll visit with Wyatt Fulton here in a couple of days and, or some point this week and let him tell us what he's going to be doing here with all of our stations. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great day. I'll talk to you again in the morning. Listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. For many, transportation.